Happy Bruise Day Tuesday, everybody. My name is Caroline King, and you're listening to Bitch Beer. everyone wow what a great holiday season i hope y'all also had a great holiday season drink lots of beer ate lots of food i know i did (laughs) for those of y'all that follow me on instagram i'm sure you saw all of my louisiana antics which i always love going back home to louisiana and drinking some of my favorite beer down there um but yeah thanks for coming back we're excited to get 2020 off to a great start um so today i sit down with aaron and lucy from brick store pub they are two fabulous ladies brick store pub if you've never been to brick store pub just go there if you have never been to atlanta um that needs to be your first stop it's a staple in atlanta the food is amazing the beer is always amazing we'll get more into it uh in the interview and i hope you all enjoy Store Pub, one of my favorite spots ever in Atlanta, and I'm sitting here with two lovely ladies. If y'all could please introduce yourselves and say what you do here at Brick Store. My name is Erin Sargent. I'm the general manager. Awesome. And I'm Lucy Doty. I'm the assistant beer manager. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, or me coming to you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so Brick Store... For anybody that's never been to Atlanta or never heard of Brick Store, um, so how, when did you guys get started? How long have y'all been around? What's, what are y'all about? Uh, the pub is located in Decatur, Georgia, downtown. Mm-hmm. It's been here uh, 22 years now, so it's definitely an Atlanta landmark, I think. At this definitely. Point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think because we've been open since 97, a lot of what we've seen in the restaurant and beverage and specifically beer industries, there's a lot of context for the moves that the brick store has made over the years that's only made possible by having been around for so long. Wow. Which I think makes a difference. I, I It does. And I, especially, like, I feel like you guys have been here since the craft beer scene in Atlanta, just seen the entire craft beer scene. Um so how, how has it changed since you guys got started, and then how are things, how do you guys adjust with the times for the way things are now? Uh, I think one of the big changes that happened in Georgia was directly associated with the ownership of the Brickstore Pub, because the 6% law was something that Dave Blanchard really pushed for. So that was because they wanted to pour Belgian beer, and it was all higher gravity. Right. So they really wanted to open the Belgian bar in the pub, and getting that law changed kind of changed the beer industry in this area. Wow. And then the 6% law, a lot of people, and this is something that I didn't realize for a really long time, but like they, they have these like percentage caps on the ABV of 
certain alcohols in different states. So what was the 6% law for anybody who's not kind of aware of that? That was the cap of mm-hmm. the percentage of beer at the time. So wow. anything that was above that was illegal. Wow. That rules out right. a lot of stuff that's <laughs> exactly. currently in the market. Which, which now, <laughs> anything 6% or less sometimes is thought of as lower gravity. <laughs> so the context, yeah, it's, it's definitely the, the scope has changed entirely. Wow. And that's, it, that's really amazing to be able to have that sort of impact in the government and the way that things are done. Um, because do you feel like that was maybe something that people never really thought of before with the 6% law of like, oh, we're kind of cutting ourselves off or the reasoning for that? Um, I mean, the reasoning for it with the government, I think, was they just thought consumers were idiots. And <laughs> if it's beer, they're just going to drink a lot of it and mm-hmm. not limit themselves based on the ABV. That's true. That's a good point. But still, you know, I'm glad that it's changed. Um, it really opened up the market in a huge way. And also allows some of the Belgian and abroad breweries the quality of the product that they've been making for hundreds of years, some of them. We can't be influenced by that as a local beer market by the quality of what's available internationally if we don't have access to it. And so a lot of the local industry quality as a result of that law changing, I think, has improved. And that, that was going to be my next question is, like, that, that's, an amazing, um, that's an amazing point to make because when you have these other international beers that are coming through that are, you know, they've been making beer for hundreds of years mm-hmm. um, and just the quality is incredible. How have you seen the quality in Atlanta changing since that law changed and international beers have come in? I mean, there's definitely a lot more breweries in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I can't speak to the quality of every brewery because part of the saturation kind of takes away from the quality, in Sometimes. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the Georgia beer scene really blew up in that period of time. I think that that had a lot to do with it. That's awesome. And for, I mean, a concrete example, I think, would be you know, we have a really close relationship and have with three taverns for the six years that they've been open, and they've always had that Belgian inspiration mm-hmm. really tied into their framework, and that's uh, one of the stories, I think, of the local industry responding to the desire for those beers and that style to be around at all, mm-hmm. and then be able to have something around the corner or, you know, a short drive away from you that you can try right here and also be supporting local industry. Wow. So it all ties back at least a little bit. And what sort of styles do you all like to feature here at Brickstore? Mm. We like to have a well-balanced list. Mm-hmm. It's really broad. The balance is key, for sure. It trends a little bit with the seasons, of course, like anything. I mean, anything food or beer-related or cocktail-related will always be better if it's seasonal, Uh just getting past the holiday season so we had you know a Christmas holiday beer frenzy for a few weeks there (laughs) that was really exciting I mean we have people who come to brick store specifically for the availability of a lot of those only annually available beers that are also largely Belgian and international offerings and that was really fun to see to see people come in and be excited about that and speaking of being able to trust the consumer to make their own choices you know, if you're drinking a 
St. Bernard's Christmas Ale that's about <laughs> 10%. Maybe you'll have two instead of four or five, mm-hmm. but you're able to track that for yourself, and it's worth it because you can only have it at that time of year. So, yeah. But back to your question about <laughs> what we like to feature. I guess that was sort of a, re- a recent, that's what we've been featuring, so it's fresh on the brain. But I think we also look towards a kind of a nice uh, – to use the word balance again, I was trying to think of a different word, but balance of what's new and coming out that people are excited about Mm -hmm. while highlighting the high quality offerings that have been around for years, not as long as some of what we're talking about that's been around hundreds of years, but tens of years, some of the the staples that we've we've liked to call them. And the craft Um, classics. Yeah, yeah. Like Sierra Nevada and Highland. Like we... We want our guests to still be able to try these beers that may not be as new and exciting, but their quality is high and they're consistent for, you know, maybe 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, I was here for the event when uh, Highland came in and just getting to know more about them and getting to be up close and personal with the owners and the brewers. And um, I just find that to be really special. And um, I feel like, um, does that happen a lot here with different breweries coming in? I feel like you guys are one of those places that you kind of have to go in Atlanta, for sure. There's a lot of traffic from different brewers that come in here. Yeah. That's awesome. And Lucy gets to ha- spend a lot of time with them, taking them in the cellar. Everybody wants to see the cellar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a fun, it's, it's really a treat to be one of the locations where let's say if a distributor that's a really common way that we're able to see entire brewery teams that are from out of state where they'll be traveling with their distributor and we're one of the places that that distributor wants to take them for sure because of the history and the availability of beer and the cellar and the vintage offerings and it's fun to be here waiting just at work and there's you know a bunch of people from North Carolina or Florida, or we had Greg Ingert here from DC out of Blue Jacket from Sovereign. Oh, wow. Uh, a few months back, he came here and did a Q&A, and that was a real treat. He's a, a star in the beer industry for sure, and he was just as excited as we were, and that's a really cool thing to see, and it's something that isn't, isn't available everywhere in Atlanta. I, 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 that's really cool. I love that. Um, I, I definitely feel that whenever I come here, it's always like, I know that I, whatever I order is going to be something that is really special and that you guys have curated. And then what's one of those keys to your success of being a staple in the Atlanta beer market and the Atlanta beer, um, in the Atlanta beer scene when you choose beers for here, for, uh, the location? Mm-hmm. I would say paying attention to what the breweries are looking to accomplish mm-hmm. sort of helps everybody rise as opposed to thinking of the brick store itself as on a mission for itself. Mm-hmm. It really is very community-based. Wow. And the consumer or the audience, our guests, I think it reflects on their experience when they can tell that we have true friendships and relationships with the breweries that they love as opposed to it being a little bit disjointed or, I mean, of course it's always for the betterment of everybody's local business, but it's a little bit bigger than that. Mm -hmm. And I think beer is one of those, you know, it fosters a lot of that friendship 
between all the tiers, even all the way out to the consumer tier. And recognizing that and then really paying attention to it with events or special guests or Q&As or some of our recurring events. I mean, we have a Halfway Crooks beer and cheese event coming oh, up they're this so Wednesday, great. I so love them. Because everyone's so excited for them. Speaking of Belgian influence. They're know. amazing. And Their beer is what's, awesome. what's available now in the local market because of what people have grown to be able to expect and hope for from their local breweries. Yeah. And then focusing on buzz like that that isn't just trendy but has some staying power because your neighborhood is excited to have exposure to one of their new favorite local breweries, and we try and really hone in on that and bring everybody together in the pub. That's a fun thing that we started doing with the beer and cheese was having it brewery specific Mm -hmm. so that we can invite people from the brewery. We try to do local a lot just because they're around town. Right. And then that gives our guests an opportunity to get to know them too because they'll stay and hang out and talk to all the guests that are there. And then, I don't know, it's just an extra experience for anybody off the street that wants to come in and eat some cheese with beer pairings. They can get to know a local brewer as well. Mm Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing. I mean, and beer goes so well. And this is something that I totally did not know until I started learning more about beer. Beer is such a good food pairing. And and I was just, I always thought like food and wine, but I mean, beer has more flavor profiles and y'all's food here is amazing. (laughs) And then then y'all still, do y'all still do the food and beer pairings with, uh, on the menu? We feature them on the feature sheet uh, from time to time when we have something in mind that oh, cool. really pair, pairs well together. But then we also have beer school for our employees. So part of that, sometimes we have food and beer pairing classes wow. so that they have the knowledge to just recommend for guests based on what they're ordering. Do y'all ever do that for the public, like regular <laughs> people? <laughs> we, we have had requests. We, we've been looking at what it might look like to have some public available education as well. That would be so cool. I would totally be down for that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just idea. go ahead and sign up for it whenever <laughs> you guys whenever you guys have it. <laughs> and then um, I want to know more about y'all. So how did y'all get started in the in the beer industry and get started with Brick Store? What are your backgrounds? I my background. I was a stay at home mom for seven years, and uh, I got tired of that. I needed to get back. <laughs> into the adult world uh, and I ended up going to school for the medical field I did cardiac ultrasound and I just didn't wow. like it very much gotcha. just the I don't know there's a sadness involved and that's it, a good it, point mm-hmm. this job is hospitality and it's not saving lives but I and I started back into the service or into the restaurant world with uh, my friends that opened the Midway pub and so I worked there for awesome. the first three years they were open. And I didn't uh, know that. yeah, that's cool. And then I had my kids indicator for the school system. So I yeah, kind of wanted to awesome. get out of East Atlanta, hmm. get closer to home. Uh, and I came to the brick store about nine and a half years ago. And I found a great home here. And every day is different and exciting. And I get to meet a lot of new people. and. I have beer to drink every day at work when I get done. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> and so being here nine and a half years, that's that's really, that's a long time. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. She's a staple. That's awesome. Speaking of staples, mm-hmm. Aaron Sargent. 
I mean, that's so incredible. And I mean, it's, it says a lot about the company culture here. So ever since you started here, how have you kind of affected the company culture? And what, what sort of things do you like to do to make sure that people that come here want to stay here? Hmm. I mean, we definitely, like a lot of restaurants will say that there's a family feel, but I believe that that is true in this building. Um, we like I will help employees with personal things like I'm helping the bartender now like make a doctor's appointment I don't know we just that's awesome. we care for each other and we back each other up we work very hard together mm-hmm. but also we sit down and drink some beers after work and have a nice time but it's just a culture of caring really that's awesome for sure yeah, I, I, when I first moved to Atlanta, I worked at Muss and Turner's over in Smyrna. Oh, wow. And one of the owners, Muss, he, whenever I started the podcast, he's like, you got to go to Brickstore Pub. You just got to go there. And then finally, I get to have you guys on the podcast, which is really exciting. I so. worked at Common Quarters. I love Common Quarter. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, all the people there are so cool. Lindsay, I'm really good friends with Lindsay. Yeah, I love oh she my comes gosh. Here sometimes. Yeah. I love to see her. Yeah. Lindsay oh, I is love great. it. Lindsay's amazing. She's great. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. We love you. Shout out. I'll tag her. (laughs) And what about you, Lucy? How did you get started in the industry and your background? I I am a a brick store baby, very (laughs) gratefully. And recently, they opened this second position in the beer program. The first time there's been a second position officially available in the beer program back in May. And I had been looking to get back into beer after... A little bit of a break from the industry and it's been wonderful I mean I you know when I turned 21 I could finally come to the brick store and actually drink the beer off the list I'd been reading for years before that just eating here you know <laughs> and I would come here with friends and they were sort of ushering me into the beer industry and so to think that now as a career beer professional I mean I'm a lifer in this for sure <laughs> deliberately and Brickstore contributed to the beginning of that and I never thought I would be able to work here let alone with the beer program and so this has been kind of a surreal experience for me I started back in 2016 was my first professional gig in beer with Gate City Brewing up in Roswell oh I love Gate City they're so great yeah, yeah. They, they've really they've grown really well they're I think this February, they'll celebrate five years open, and I was wow. with them when they opened as a volunteer, and when I left three years later, I was GM of the brewery, and that was a great family as well. I'm really proud of them. I sort of weaseled my way into that job with no prior <laughs> beer experience. I was simply a hobbyist. I wanted a beer job. I went to a Gate City launch and introduced myself to the owners Wow! and let them know that whenever they were ready to hire, I was ready to be hired. It took about eight months. I was traveling some, and when I came back, and I was working for Common Quarter, (laughs) and Lindsay sent me to the United Distribution Symposium that year. Oh, that is so cool. Because I liked beer so much and would pay attention to the beer list. And I was so excited to go, and I couldn't believe I was – I just felt at that point that I was getting closer to being a beer person in actuality, and I couldn't believe it. And Brian was there running the Gate City booth himself. Oh, nice. And it sort of tipped something off to me thinking, I'm sure you have other things to do. You might have sent somebody else if you had an employee. And so I was able to reconnect with him that way. That is cool. 
and kind of keep on him via his inbox until he said, okay, sure. So after that time there, I we had moved down to Decatur and I wanted to be a little bit closer to where we lived. And so I started working at Wild Heaven as a oh, packaging manager I love Wild to Heaven. sort of round out my front of house, back of house experience as far as the brewery side goes. And that was a really amazing job that taught me so much about logistics and got me a little handier, you know, having to repair a forehead canning line and oh, that's so re- cool, <laughs> you know, repair keg washers and learn carbonation science and just really expand what I understood about what goes into the production side of beer. And then I worked at Spiller Park for a little bit with my good friends down at Pont City Market. And then this job became available, and I couldn't believe it, and I threw my hat in the ring, and... Here we are. Here we are. That's amazing. That's really cool. Um, And I I think that that's such a cool point to make, is, like, trying to find your place in the industry, trying Mm -hmm. out different aspects, learning different levels of the job and different things that go on, and I find that really fascinating. That's really cool. Yeah. Kudos. Thanks. (laughs) It's sort of, I don't know, sort of... To me, I sort of just scrounged about, but, but, I, but it's nice now when I look back, I think, oh, I sort of, I did sort of round myself out. I guess that was sort of the goal, so. That's really cool. And beer definitely has that available, and even within the brick store, I would say rounding yourself out is so easy to do here, even yeah. as a guest, because you have so much accessible to you. That's true, and, well, I, I think an, another thing, it's like, just being able to see all those different levels of that of the industry just kind of makes it to where you can give that extra story to the guests, like you were saying, which is really cool. Sure. So, because if you can kind of convince someone that's like, "Oh no, I just like vodka soda," like, and then you tell a cool story, it's like, "I'll try it." That's one of my favorite things. That's <laughs> one of my favorite things for sure. And I think here as well, but Gate City, they have 18 taps in their tap room, and there were always so many different styles, and that's more of a common tap room model now than it was at the time, Mm -hmm. to have so many styles available. And I had never been able to walk a guest through. I mean, really, you can taste as many beers as you want until you find one that you really enjoy. You don't have to stop at, oh, I must not like beer because this one wasn't my style. Right. There are more styles. Yeah. There are probably multiple styles, even if you haven't tried them yet, that you might like and you didn't know it. And that's what's so exciting to me about it. Yeah. And then what was one of the first, like, craft beers or specialty beers that got you interested in beer and piqued your interest in in what beer has to offer? I think I got really excited. This was a long time ago, but... Uh, when McKellar came out with their single hop series, mm. I was so excited for that because just being able to taste—I really like IPAs. I'm sorry, I'm boring that way. IPAs are delicious. <laughs> but when they had that series, it was great to be able to recognize the different varietals of hops and taste how they played a different role in the beer just singly. So that made me get excited. That's awesome. That is such an impressive answer. Yeah. So you're like, no big deal. Just McKellar's single hop series. That really got me into it. I'm like, yeah. okay. okay. Cool. Very, yeah. Awesome. I'm yeah. a blue moon, but okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know. I look, when I, I was sort of able to, I never really had the big domestics phase 
I did sort of start with craft, but it's fun to see what your concept of craft, how it changes over time or how it can change over time. I think the first six pack I bought, I was like, oh yeah, this is probably really good. And it was Shock Top. Shop Top is great. Yeah. And I was so excited to have that in my fridge because it was in bottles and it looked independent and I knew <laughs> nothing about what was going on at the time. There you was know. a mohawk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> sunglasses. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, like this orange is wearing sunglasses. <laughs> That's got to be fun. And now looking back, it's, you know, this sort of humorous story to me where I, that's probably the last, sorry, last six pack of Shop Top I bought, for example. There's so much beer out there. Yeah. And the journey is never ending and it can really go wherever you want it to as it turns out. Well, and that's such an interesting thing to bring up because Shock Top is really popular. I love Shock Top. I love Blue Moon. I love these like larger craft. Mm -hmm. How have you seen the landscape change because there is so much beer out there and there's so much saturation. What sort of like bigger players have staying power have you noticed here? Uh, specifically here like what like in like, Georgia uh, or just Georgia or like because we were talking about Sierra Nevada earlier which yeah, is the bigger one or they definitely have staying power for sure and it's been such a treat since they moved to the east coast because yeah all the beer is so much fresher from them mm -hmm. <laughs> and what do you think it is that they're doing or from your from this side of the industry um as being one that sells Sierra Nevada uh what do you think it is that they do that gives them that staying power they're family owned wow i mean they they care about keeping ownership of their company and then also with with companies like sierra and allagash what i see that's different is they've decided to grow at a slower rate mm -hmm. so that they can maintain ownership wow when breweries tend to grow too fast that's when they get in a pickle and they end up getting sold off because yeah money <laughs> yeah that's a good point that's interesting that is uh, a great point mm -hmm. and there's there's a lot of breweries out there that i didn't realize were like still independently owned like i was at abita down in louisiana uh last month and i had no idea that they were independently owned still because they're like so widely distributed sure. and i went in the brewery i was like this is amazing. Um, I've never been to Sierra Nevada, though. That's another, that's a goal. But, I mean, it really is cool. It makes you just, like, want to, like, support the brewery. And, you know, not that widely distributed beers are bad by any means. But it's, like, that extra cool factor of, like, the way that they've grown. So I also see with, like, companies like Sierra and Allagash, they're, um, they're honest in business. Mm -hmm. They care about their community. They care about their employees. Wow. And I think all of that kind of adds to the longevity when you're just doing business right. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, a good point. I would sort of echo that for both of those brands or anybody where internally, you know, the market matters, of course. The market determines your business. But you forego a lot of consistency that is key if your focus on the market eclipses what you're doing for your staff, the turnover, I think, directly affects the potential for consistency. And I think consistency is one of the biggest factors in staying power, like you're saying. And so sort of that family environment that we, of course, care about also as the brick store we recognize that in certain breweries that have been around for longer and might share in that philosophy, and I think it always pays off. 
Wow. Yeah, it, I, I have to agree with that because you can always tell when you walk into a brewery like what the company culture is like or like what the, it, you know, just how you feel, you know, when you walk in there. Mm-hmm. And um, what are some breweries um, in Atlanta specifically that you think are doing some great things that maybe other people aren't or that you just kind of recognize as standing out in the industry? I mean, Creature Comforts, obviously. Oh, my gosh, they're amazing. <laughs> oh, they're so amazing. I love them. <laughs> Creature. We talked about three taverns. Yeah, Lord Grey. That's one of my favorite sours of all time. Ooh. That's a good one. Lord Grey is great. Uh, Halfway Crooks. It's really exciting that they're open. I mean, what direct sales, speaking of Georgia legislation, did for the breweries that now it is more feasible for them to open? Mm-hmm. That's one of the fun. I mean, the question, who you know, who are your favorites or who's doing big things in Georgia? I've almost put a moratorium on answering that for myself <laughs> for to kind of wait for the shakedown yeah a little bit because I I used to be able to keep up with the brewery openings in Georgia I, it's I, crazy by the time you know maybe I was waiting for their opening and I had been there within a certain you know a single digit number of weeks of their opening and I had you know now I don't even try because there's no I mean I don't have the time I I wait it out a little bit, but it's exciting to see. And then definitely, I don't know, it's sort of, uh, it's in, it's intriguing. I wonder what the next couple years will bring and who will stand out as a result after the fact of everything opening seemingly all at once. I know it's not really that way, but feels like it. <laughs> There's a lot, a lot of people doing good work in the beer industry these days, and it's really hard to just pick one. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm. Bold Monk is open now. I haven't been there yet. I'm going tomorrow. That's a great example of a long-awaited new Georgia brewery opening. Yeah, I can't wait to get over there and figure out what they're doing over at the Lee and White Complex. Is really exciting. Amazing! Um, Oh, that complex is awesome. Having all of those options in that walking distance and open container as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, open container. Yeah, I have my film festivals. <laughs> yeah, well, my film festivals, I had them in the back room at Wild Heaven. And oh. one great feature was that you could bring outside food and drink in, which they just, yeah, they were like, we don't care. That's fine. There you so go. it's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. So what sort of, um, I feel like you guys have a finger on the pulse of what's happening in the beer community. Um, what do you anticipate coming up for this next season of beer? What trends are you noticing uh that beers are trending towards being popular this next, like, end of winter, early spring? Hmm. Well, I feel like uh, more traditional classic styles are coming back around. Interesting, yeah. Lots of lagers and... Lagers, mm-hmm. pilsners. Um, yeah. That's that's what I've seen trending more often now. Yeah. Which is kind of refreshing. It is Beers nice. you can drink all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's nice to be able to drink a local craft beer that's also, like, tastes, you know, like you're not drinking an entire loaf of bread, you know, like, just to kind of, like, I mean, I love my all craft beer, but, of course, when you can just kind of have, like, a support a local business, you know, and still enjoy your, like, poolside beer. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think, what's contributing to that, and hopefully in this coming season with, you know, a lot of the new releases, we'll be back to the pale ales and the session IPAs and the single IPAs and the pilsners and a lot of the lighter things as the tastes change back mm-hmm. and the way that the 
really local breweries as well, not just the bigger breweries with the budgets, are starting to pay more attention to their malt purveyors. Oh, and so interesting. Craft malt is on the rise and has been where people know who grew and malted their malt. And with something like a lighter wow. beer that might not be as heavy, you can get a lot more character out of your malt. Paying attention to your malt is great, just like paying attention to any ingredient in anything. And so that's sort of exciting to see. Hops aren't the only thing in the spotlight anymore. That said, the Neo-Mexicanus strain of hops is coming up a little bit, it looks like, in these next couple months. They've already been used quite a bit. It's a, a strain of hops native to New Mexico. Oh, cool. And with the securing of hop volumes becoming tenuous at any time because a lot of the larger breweries, like we're talking about, some independent, but a lot of them not, a lot of big beer uh, adopting or sort of taking over giant hop contracts has made hop scarcity an issue yeah. for a lot of breweries. So having native to the United States, again, this actually fairly ancient strain of hops coming out of New Mexico, I'm pretty excited to see how that might change the climate of what's available. I also don't have a ton of experience with the notes or character of those hop strains, so I'm excited to try them and see. That'll be cool. Because I was about to ask that, that, yeah. Takes. Right, I'm not. I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. I've, I've been doing more reading than than tasting, <laughs> so I, I hope that I can do more tasting soon. Yeah, and I, you know, there are so many different strains of hops and so many different flavor profiles with with each hop. So I think that's really cool, especially paying it the people paying attention to like where they're sourced and where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's amazing. Um, and then what's coming up for Brickstore? What do y'all have coming up that you're excited about? Well, on Wednesday we have our beer and cheese. Nice. With Halfway Crooks. Um, February 6th we'll do our second Harry Potter book night. <gasps> what? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm l I started <laughs> writing it down, but now I'm like, Harry Potter, I have to come. Okay. So what? Uh, do you have to sign up for that, or do you just come? Just come. Wow. Preferably an appropriate dress. Hey, costumes encouraged. There will be floating <laughs> candles. <gasps> what? Yeah. So, okay. We're so, magical. So, Harry Potter book night. So, what sort of... <laughs> I've got to know more about this. And I know, uh, yeah, I'm obsessed with Harry Potter. Um, so, we're, we're going to have butterbeer. We'll have <gasps> food features. We'll have Harry Potter music. Everyone will be dressed up. Um, we uh, we do this in coordination with Little Shop of Stories, too. Oh, cool. So they'll be having their own event to go with Harry Potter Book Night. This is something that's done in Europe. Most places in the States just don't participate. But right. we thought we would like to, and it's pretty cool. And tons of people came out last year. I invited Butter and Cream to join us in the festivities <gasps> this year, too. So oh my gosh. they're going to be the local sweet shop to go on your little route from the bookstore to here to That is sweet so shop. cool. Decatur Square becomes Diagon Alley all of a sudden. <gasps> I am so excited. What better place? I know. What Harry Potter house are y'all in? Oh. Well, I like to, th I, I guess if you're a muggle, you like to think of yourself as a hybrid maybe. Mm -hmm. Because definitely Gryffindor, mm -hmm. but probably some Ravenclaw. You know? Yeah. That makes sense. Hard to say. 
Oh, you're looking away. I, I don't know. Knows. I, I, I don't know. I'd probably be... <laughs> got to put the hat back on you. I mean, I'm a dork. They're probably going to put me in Hufflepuff. <laughs> I'm a Hufflepuff. I'm very proudly <laughs> a full Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. I am a full-on Hufflepuff. Full Hufflepuff. <laughs> well, I don't really know what makes you go into these You houses. might. Erin, <laughs> I say this with it as a compliment, but you might have some Slytherin. I was about to say Slytherin. Slytherin is very clever, very cunning, cunning. very yeah. like, yeah. I mean, I yeah. have a snake tattoo. See? Slytherin. You're Slytherin. <laughs> I knew it. There yep. it is. But yeah, Slytherins are, okay, Harry Potter was supposed to be a Slytherin. True. Mm-hmm. Yep. Duality. Yep. There you go. that going on. Amazing. I'm genuinely so excited for that, and I'm <laughs> definitely going to be there. Um, and then, oh, Little Shop of Stories. For anybody that doesn't know what that is, what is Little Shop of Stories? It's a locally owned children's bookstore. Just Amazing. a couple doors down from us. Um they're great friends of ours. They do great work in the city. They also have some adult books there, too. Nice. Um, and then Butter and Cream is a local ice cream shop. Nice. I love that place. They're delicious. Awesome. Um, and then um, what I like to ask, like, uh, random rapid-fire questions. I won't do rapid-fire, though. Um, so what are some uh, – how old were you when, when you had your first beer, and what was it? Dude, I think I was a, I didn't have a whole beer. It was like at Thanksgiving, my aunt had a Coors Light sitting around, and nice. I took a sip of it, and I was really turned off. <laughs> so it took me until I was about 18, and then I drank some Honey Brown. I had a, I, I liked sweeter things back then, and I was not very experienced in drinking, so it was not a good choice, but <laughs> I'm not proud of it. <laughs> I don't know my answer to this question. I was definitely a late beer bloomer. I didn't, I don't think I tried beer until I'd already dropped out of my freshman year of college. And during that year, I was more, you know, you know how sometimes somebody has to be responsible or conscious. I was sort of that person. But then my coworkers, even though we were all underage, we had roommates who we could ask to go get new releases of local beer. And we were really into the mix of six packs Ooh. in those days. And so we tried a lot of stuff in a short period of time. That's sort of what I remember about the beginning is it I was a whirlwind. It. That's <laughs> awesome. I love that. Whatever was going on in those years. <laughs> That's a, that, that gives uh, some... I don't know, some understanding to our age differences here. Yeah. The beer the beer industry has changed so Very much. Very different. <laughs> For sure. Um, and then I have a Spotify list, and it's called Drunk Songs, and I'm only allowed to add songs to it when I'm drunk. And I think of it. Wow. If y'all were to add a song to my Drunk Song playlist, what song would you be adding? Whiskey River, Take My Mind. Oh. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I think mine would be Good as Hell by Lizzo. <gasps> oh, that's a fantastic one. That was like a shower song for me for uh, probably yesterday. So, so good. <laughs> so good, sober and otherwise. Exactly. E- Amazing. Even better otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you watch TV, uh, what's like your guilty pleasure trash TV? Gilmore Girls. <gasps> I love Gilmore Girls. <laughs> you know what happened when I was watching Golden Globes last night for the first time? I also accidentally watched Chris Lee Knows Best. Oh, gosh, yes. That's a fantastic and one. I it's terrible. I didn't know who he was. I had to look him up, and now I know too much. Yeah. And I did watch it till it was over. So I, I, It's one of those <laughs> shows. I didn't feel great about that, but I, there I was. 
you just have to watch it and you're like, why, <laughs> why? Wow, this is so dumb. And then you're like, I just watched an hour of Chris yep. Lee's Nose like, Fast. Oh, and, and those are the credits. Yep. Okay. Yep. I, I did watched that. it all, and now I want to know what, <laughs> what wig grandma's going to wear next time. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for having me here. I'm so excited. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we kind of sign off today? Not really. Cool. I think that, that was great. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. But yeah, Wonderful. come out on February 6th. I'm going to be there. I'm definitely going to be there. I'm so excited. Yay! Thank you so much. Awesome! today that was such a fun interview we had so much fun and Aaron and Lucy are only two of a huge group of amazing human beings that work at Brickstore Pub every time I go in there if I ever have a question about anything or you know see something that I don't recognize everybody that works there is very highly trained and they don't make you feel stupid they make you feel like really good about asking questions and learning so it's it's a really fantastic environment to enjoy really great food and kick-ass beer so highly recommend going out to Decatur um, and yes their beer and cheese tasting is tomorrow night that is January 8th and the Harry Potter event that's oh gosh I'm so excited February 6th I can't wait I will be there I need to find Hufflepuff gear if anybody has any leads on Hufflepuff gear let me know because I tried 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 taking the test to be a Gryffindor but guess what I'm a Hufflepuff and I'm proud of it you know, I've accepted it and I'm proud of it. <laughs> so thank you again for listening. We'll be back in two weeks and I hope you all have a fantastic day. Cheers.